Welcome back to the same 24 hours podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood, and I'm super excited to introduce you to my new very best friend, (laughs) Sarah Dean. Sarah Dean is the founder of shamelessmom.com, the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram. When I found out about her just via her name on Instagram, I thought, shameless mom, that sounds good. We could be friends. And indeed, we could be. So I love her story about how she learned to find her identity as a mom, as an individual, and everything that moms struggle with. You know, the second we pop out a couple kids, it's all of a sudden, who are we? What has happened? (laughs) What is this child? Where are we going? I don't know. And it just becomes this, unless you're really in tune with yourself going into having children, I think it's a very common thing to lose yourself. And so we talk about that and her experience with working with women to help them regain their sense of self purpose and move them into the next level and still be a great mom. So that's also kind of my mission. Just, I don't have, you know, a really platform just for that, but I do talk about it. So hence why we're best friends. It's very easy to see this. <laughs> anyway, go check out Sarah Dean, shamelessmom.com. She has a lot of free resources and cool groups and masterminds that you can get behind. So I hope you all enjoy this episode with Sarah Dean. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. We have Sarah Dean joining me from Shameless Mom Academy here in a second. So I'm going to add her. We should be rocking and rolling. All right, there we are. See, we did it. We did it. Oh my gosh, I feel so fancy right now. We are so fancy. <laughs> this so, is the most tech savvy I've ever been in my life. So I do this to people. I get them um, on the Zoom, and I'm like, "So we're going to do something fun. We're going to run Zoom, audio, Instagram, and it'll be fun." And, and most people are like, "No," and so I I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." And, and I was so, like, "Okay." A lot of people are like, oh my God, I totally like blew a guy's mind yesterday, but it was fine. It works out. It gives everyone excellent practice for. (laughs) I know. I feel like there's a million things in the world I can do now that I didn't know I could do. It's so right. It's so right. So well, everyone watching um, either now or on the podcast, this is Sarah Dean. She is the founder of Shameless Mom Academy. And when I came across her on Instagram, I said, well, that sounds perfect. Shameless Mom Academy. I mean, I can't imagine a better interview. So Sarah, welcome to my audience and we will take very good care of you. But in the meantime, introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about who you are and we'll just, we'll just start chatting. Yeah. So I'm Sarah Dean. I'm the host of the Shameless Mom and Shameless Mom Academy podcast. Um, I am a mom of one. He's seven. um, And so the podcast I've had for four years, but my previous career, I was in the fitness industry and I owned a gym and I 
was in the fitness industry for 15 years before I sold my gym. So now I'm out of the fitness industry, eating way more ranch dressing, um, <laughs> living my best life and working with moms and helping moms uh, build courage and confidence and really find their identity again after motherhood, which is a ton oh. of fun. And, and we're always redoing this because motherhood keeps changing and motherhood in a pandemic. Holy cow. Does it ever throw you for a loop? It's like motherhood, motherhood version. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's yes. such a great, a great mission. And I think it's interesting how we converge because I started um, my blog, my like social media world, like 10 years ago when I started triathlon, hence the term swim, bike, mom. And right. I have since pivoted out of triathlon. So I still have the social media handle like, hey, I do triathlon. But I did write a book about it. I'm still relevant, but I made the pivot too. Like you came out of the in- fitness industry. I ca- I was never like in the industry, but I kind of pivoted out too. And so, I mean, I think we have a lot more in common than uh, we might have thought originally. But, yeah. you know, being moms, I mean, how that is such a great mission to help women reclaim themselves. Because Mm -hmm. when I had, I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old and I don't know if I knew who I was before (laughs) I had kids. So I'm a different species. You might have a whole nother like section on your website for me. Um, (laughs) But, you know, claiming myself as a person, what was step one, but definitely claiming myself after kids. I mean, how do you even start with that? It's super tricky. And I think, I mean, you bring up such a great point of like, maybe I didn't even know who I was before. I think that that's the struggle. And for me, the struggle was I, like we, a lot of us, I think live in a grass is always greener world. So after my son was born, I was like, this is really hard and not what I signed up for. So how do I go back to my real life and go back to normal? Not because that was amazing, but because it was what I knew and what I could control. That's um, so funny you say that. I swear I have this joke and my kid's 12. My son, my oldest is 12. And I say, if someone would have come at two weeks when you were two weeks old and said, we will take your baby, I would have been like, mm-hmm. you can have him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand this. This is yeah. not what what I signed up for. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's funny. And it it's, takes a long, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's good to, it's good to be able to talk about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what you're doing. You're speaking yeah. about that, that so many women feel like I couldn't say that. Right. But, yeah. yeah. And it, I think that it, it take for me, it took a long time. Like it took me that whole first year to realize like, Oh wait, we're not going back. Like, well, what does that mean? And who am I now? Like if if I'm not going back to that person I was before, then who the heck am I? And how do I figure that out? Um, And I think that one of the things I talk a lot about with my moms and we've been talking about a lot lately um, is self. So we've been talking specifically about self-abandonment because we've been reading in my book club, we've been reading um, Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Mm. And, but even prior to that, a lot about the struggle with self-trust and learning to listen internally around like who we are and who we want to become versus like taking in all the messages we've been receiving all of our life. And so I think that's the other really tricky part is after you have a child, you are in this, I think, phase of awakening at some point around like, oh, like I do get to choose. I don't just have to be like who society says I should be as a woman or as a mom. And sometimes that's like a brutal awakening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what are some of the, the, what are some of the themes that you see that women come to like these, these preconceived notions of motherhood? Like what, one of the ones that comes to mind with me is you can have it all. Having it all Mm -hmm. means being 
perfect wife, perfect mother, perfect partner, perfect employee, everything, and maintain your body while sleeping and cooking. You know, that's like right. that's the preconceived notion. I was like, oh, well, I'll right. just be able to do my career. It'll be fine. And no one else will have to raise my children while I do my career. Right. <laughs> you know, right. that's what I, the habit all is like the one that comes to mind. So what other ones have you seen? Yeah. I think that that's one of them. I also think that we um, are conditioned to prioritize our motherhood and our marriages over ourselves. Yeah. And so I, I don't know that it's said it like that explicitly, but the messaging is that like, it should be like motherhood first and then your marriage. And then for some people, it's even like their parents or in-laws. And then like yourself is like way, way down at the bottom. So once you've made dinner for everyone and everyone is fed and the dishes are done, like all these things are taken care of. Then if you have a minute and you want to like take a bath, then maybe you could do that. Maybe. Right. Or you can drink yourself s- silly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Which I did right. too. <laughs> right. Right. So I think that we, um, there's just been a ton of conditioning around caretaking and, and um, people pleasing and at the expense of our own identity at the sen- expense of our own self-preservation, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think just such BS. And I think it's really eye opening when moms, when moms come into my community and they're like, Oh wait, like I can, I don't, I can put my needs first. I can move myself to the top and then like obviously keep my kids alive at the same time and obviously have a healthy relationship, but like I can be at the top and I can prioritize that. And I can, and it's actually is possible to find time to do that. I think that there's also a lot of misnomers around time and that there's never enough time and there's never enough energy and all these kinds of things. And the reality is it's because you're giving all your time and energy to other people's priorities. (laughs) And and that's a choice, whether it's conscious or not, that's a choice. Um, and so I think there's that, that there's a lot that can be shifted around that that can be really eye opening and so helpful in your journey and your growth um, as you decide what identity you want to be what identities you want to be taking on. Yeah. Do you know Ada Calhoun? She wrote the book Why We Can't Sleep. It's it just came mm-hmm. out like maybe six months ago, but it talks about the Generation X woman's dilemma the the one that we're told like because our prior generation i think we're about the same age you look a little bit younger than me but um i'm 43 and a half oh i'm 40 (laughs) and you look younger okay it's okay um but you can't quite see the wrinkles (laughs) (laughs) you look great um but she talks about how the prior generation so our parents um they told us you can have it all um and therefore we took on the responsibility to have it all instead yes. of like you can yes. it became a you must right and like you I must inter- be all things to all people you must be all things to all people and that was our messaging and our parents mm-hmm. and and in society i think they were trying to not do i don't think they were trying to do that but that's what we heard when you're a little girl mm-hmm. and they're like you can be an astronaut you can be president and you're like okay i should be an astronaut i should be president i should be a mom like my mom and it's just make become, dinner every night dinner i have to be sexy like uh, all this stuff right. and so the thing that she talks about in her book is that's our struggle and mm-hmm. and that's our identity and so have you seen that a lot that that it's like this light bulb moment that one we don't have to be at all and that you got to be all to yourself at some point or it's just yeah. a dissolution Yes, yes, 100%. And I think that that mentality was like an effort to empower and embolden women, right? That you didn't have to have limitations, but there was no caveat that like, yes, you can have it all. And that means saying no to a whole bunch of things. And that means having boundaries. And that means like, you can go pick like, I want A, B and C, and I don't want D, E and F. 
And right. instead we were like, I'm going to do A through Z all the way. Cause that's right. like what, what people around me are aspiring, women around me are aspiring to do. Um, and that's like, that's not going to work. And so I think that what we're seeing now is okay. Yes, you can have whatever you want or whatever you want to go after. You like have permission to do that. And it's okay to do that and say no to a whole bunch of other things. Like every yes should come with like 37 no's. <laughs> right. Right. And I talk about like in my book, what it's called the year of no nonsense. And it breaks down basically everything in your life is either you keep it or it's like nonsense and you got to get rid of it. And it's that idea that you'll have a garage full of nonsense, like yes. 30 things you should have said no to. And it's piled here. And then you have this nice little like six by six crate of things that actually matter and that you should keep. And I think, I think you hit it right on the head, like things you should say no to. Like it never occurred to me that I didn't have to get married. <laughs> Not that it's a knock, but it didn't occur to me that like, you don't right. have children, you don't have children. Like, right. I just never saw that as a choice, which is my own like problem. <laughs> and I own it. Um, but I always am so in awe of women our age who are childless by choice. And mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, I just, I knew myself and, I, and I'm like, whoa, you're amazing. Like you yeah. just, you just had this sense of self. And mm -hmm. so I didn't pursue my sense of self until it was almost dire, you know, until the kids were here and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. If I, I think don't that's start so yeah. common. Yeah. I think that's super, super common that you wait until you're like, Oh, I'm completely lost and a disaster. And I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Where, where so where, where do you start? Like if you have one <laughs> piece of advice when someone comes to you and they're like, I, I don't know, or I don't know who I am. <laughs> so <Help> Sarah, <laughs> my advice is like not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, and it, it's funny because it's like when I was in the fitness industry and I was like, well, my advice is like, you know, like you're going to have to work out regularly. Like, sorry to disappoint you. You're going to have to eat some vegetables. Like these right. are things where people are like, oh, I thought it would be like something a little cuter than that. So, <laughs> so here's my like not cute yep. answer is that I think that you have to commit to listening inward, which you are not conditioned to do as women listening inward. And what that can look like in a tangible way is making time and space to listen to yourself every day. And so mm -hmm. I think that starts for me, what's been most impactful is a morning routine that looks like getting up before my family and having a little bit of time to myself to do a little bit of reading, to do some really simplistic journaling. So I laugh mm -hmm. because I have friends who are like these prolific journalers who have like just journals that fill their bookshelves. I like to make like a list of three. I like lists. That's how I journal. Yeah. And it's like, here's three things I want to accomplish today. Here's three things that I'm feeling good about. Here's like, and here's like two things that I'm grateful for. Like very small things, right. but it creates a sense for me around like, here's my check-in with how I'm feeling. And also here's my action plan today because the world will derail me 1 million times, whether yeah. it is through my business, whether it is through parenting, especially in a pandemic and distance learning and all that, like the world will de derail me 1 million times. What are the or three things? The universe will test you because you declare, yeah. that's what I'm starting to realize is like you declare, okay, I'm going to make these changes. I'm going to morning journal. I'm going to whatever. And so last night I, we decided we're going to bed or like nine o'clock or, you know, and at nine o'clock, and this is not a knock on my clients. So anyone listening, it's not a knock on you. But I started get there was three different clients with some pretty good drama. It mm. came in at nine, and I was and, and of course I I attended to them, and of course I love them very much. But it was so funny. The universe is like you're going to bed early, are you? Right. 
And I was like, I can't, you know, and I couldn't right. and it was right. fine, but that's what I see. It, it tests your resolve. It's like, oh, totally. you, what do you really want tonight? I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it again. But I could be like, well, screw it. It's never going to work. It doesn't right. work. But, you know. right. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other piece of that is movement. So I used to talk a lot about like, these are the exercises that you should do every day and to burn more fat, blah, blah, blah. So now like, I don't care about any of that, but <laughs> now I do think that movement is really essential to connecting to yourself and motion processes emotion. So mm-hmm. I don't care if you stretch or go for a walk or go to CrossFit, like whatever you want to do, do the thing that allows you to tap into your own like body, mind, spirit. And so for me, some days, it, I'll tell you in quarantine what it's looked like, So, which feels like 17 years now. <laughs> so it used to be I would get up and do a workout. Even when I had my own gym, I worked out at home. So I get up and yeah. do a workout in my guest bedroom, super not fancy, usually high-intensity workout of some sort, except for one day a week, I do like my obligatory yoga that I don't like. Um, <laughs> but in quarantine, what it's looked like is that I do my quick like high-intensity workout thing. And then I go for a walk for like 20 or so minutes. And I've been doing this every single day in quarantine because the harder, you know, 15 minutes of high intensity stuff allows me to feel super strong, super powerful. For me, it helps me uh, manage anxiety, which is like a lifelong thing for me. But then when I get out walking, I can like think through like, okay, here's a big conversation I need to have today. Here's an email I need to send out. Here's what I think about this. Here's pot. Like I'm always having conversations or creating content in my head and in quarantine and in motherhood in general, when we often can't complete a thought without an interruption to have that personal time and space is really, really important. So that movement piece can look different to different people and it can look different at different phases of your life. But I think that movement is really important for processing emotion. And also I think it can be really significant for um, harnessing your strength and your power. And then if you're like me and you're prone to anxiety or depression, I think it can also really um, help with that as well. Yes. I love when I have guests on and they're, they like say the things that I say, Uh, you know, I really struggle when people are like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like not so much of that. (laughs) <laughs> I think you're bullshit. Um, but you're, you're yes, exactly. So like, I always recommend morning pages like Julia Cameron. Mm. Um, she does, you know, brain dump for, especially for the high anxieties. And of course, movement, of course, movement. And have you done morning pages? Like, yeah, in the I do them. I do them. You do? Not every day, but I Can do I them. Can I tell you my experience make, with that? They make me want to jump off a bridge, but Oh, I I tried to do the 90 days. Like I do not quit things. Anyone who knows me knows, like, I know that there's some people on here watching from my community. Like, you know, I do not quit things. I quit morning (laughs) because, and here's the reason they are so physically uncomfortable to do. Like I would rather work out all day long, like sitting and writing. I was like, Oh my God, my back hurts. My hand hurts. My wrist, my elbow. I hated, so I did it, but then I also writing out longhand was really hard for me. All I wanted to do was make lists, which also you're like, not like it. So I see the value in it. And I thought the book was fascinating, but I was like, I can't, I can't. Right. But that's you knowing yourself. And so, so like when people come to me, just like when they come to you, chances are they don't know themselves and you can get a lot of data. You can get a lot of data from telling someone to sit down and write three pages longhand. You can mm-hmm. find out where they whine. You can find like you, you're like my back, my hands. Yeah, fine. Like you don't want to do it. Like you're like, 
but you can do, you can, I also say, okay, you can voice morning page, you can text and you can type it. And then they're like, why well, don't I open my computer? Um, and you know, and I'm like, I okay. started typing, typing helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then you'll like get down to the root of it and the root mm-hmm. of it is they just don't want to. <laughs> Like, yeah, I just don't want it. Right. Okay, right. so we're going to try something else. But it, it, and then a lot of people say, gosh, this is super beneficial. I don't do it exactly like this, but I do it like right. this. And I finally, like so it tells you a lot about your client. It also yeah. um, allows them to h- create that habit, right? Because it's those right. daily James Clear atomic habits chipping away mm-hmm. that most of us are missing. Yeah. When we're yeah. lost, there's just yeah. no, we're just free falling. We're waking up and like who, you know, where am I? And then just running right, until the right. end. So how, when you do, and especially people with young kids that just wake up whenever they feel like it. And <laughs> how do you create routine? How do you create habit in the midst of, of especially early motherhood mm-hmm. um, in the midst of online learning, which is about to ramp back up in all its glory. Like how do we carve out time when we have little dictators <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who, you know, have uh, other ideas. So this changes all the time. Like it's a constant juggle and reassessment. And so when my son was really little, I was not getting up at, you know, when he was getting up between five and 6am, I was not getting up at 430 to do a morning routine. I was like, I will wake up when that child makes me pry my eyes open. <laughs> but then when, you know, in that first year, especially when he was taking two naps a day, I knew that I had like my first opportunity to have time to myself was when he took that first nap. So mm-hmm. I would have my workout clothes on ready to go. And I would so do right like, when you woke up, you put on your I workout, clothes. get up and put on my workout clothes. And I didn't do as much of a morning routine around like journaling and making my list and everything at that time. My only goal during that time was like, I just need to move. Right. For like 10 minutes. Like it could be really short, but I just needed to move um, because I had a lot of anxiety during that time. So I would put on those workout clothes, put him down first thing in the morning. Then when he was down for a nap, I would do whatever short kind of a workout. And my deal with myself was that like, if you do a workout this morning during his nap, you can take a nap during his afternoon nap. And I had all these friends who were very productive during their children's naps. I was like, no, I'm watching Real Housewives and probably missing the second half because I will be asleep. And that's what I did every day when he napped. And nice. so that, so, and, but what that looked like and what that was, was me listening and getting feedback on what works. So I knew that on the, there was a phase in there where I wasn't doing workouts because of his needs. And also because I had a lot of issues with nursing. And so I was pumping constantly and just like could not get them in or, or felt like I couldn't get them in. And I realized how awful the days that I did not move my body were. They were so notably different and more difficult than the days when I did move my body. So yeah. then I took that data and I was like, okay, I, now that I have this connection, like now I can do something with that. So since then, everything's constantly evolving. So even before, um, you know, he's seven now. So before COVID, I could get up and do a morning routine and I would get up at like six and he would sometimes or often be like sitting next to me 10 minutes into it. But he's seven, like he can sit there and we have rules around like what he's allowed to do if he's going to sit next to me. <laughs> so it's, like you can sit here if you're going to be quiet. Otherwise you have to go upstairs. And right. But this, so, and we had a system that worked well during that time at pre COVID and then COVID hit. And with COVID it's changed again because now it used to be, I could do like a quick a morning routine and then get him to school. And then I would have this whole day open for like yes. working on my business. And it was, I mean, I, which I fully took for granted. Like <laughs> I thought all those days were so stressful. Little did I know what was coming. And right. so 
then when COVID hit, that shifted again. And so now the mornings are more like getting in a couple hours of work. I get up and do my morning routine, but I also am getting in a couple hours of work often before I really kind of start my day. Um, because once I get breakfast, you know, if I get up between six and six thirty, and he's up, he's up by seven, but by like eight thirty, between eight and eight thirty, he's wanting food. We're kind of getting the day rolling. If I've had two hours in advance of that to get a few things done for work that are kind of critical tasks, then if my day is interrupted a million times, which it is every single day right now, I'm not angry mommy. <laughs> I'm like, I already got done. <laughs> yes. I got done those critical tasks. And so I've right. like checked some boxes. So it's a constant listening to what you need right now, knowing what works for you. And around the morning pages, like recognizing even in that process, here's what I see that's really valuable around this that I want to integrate, even if I'm not going to integrate it the same way that she recommends in the book. Here's what I can take from this that really does work for me. And so I'm constantly yeah. looking at like, what do I need right now? How can I adjust to this and get what I want and really prioritizing my own needs over my child's needs. And so like he does not get to get up and run the show in the morning. Right. No, that's different. If you have a one-year-old, it's a little different. But when he gets up in the morning, he's like, he knows the rules. There's clear boundaries on what's yeah. allowed to happen. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. And I <laughs> talked to Nir Ayal on the podcast. He wrote Indistractable. And he said that mm. one of the big things I had an issue with was Ma, 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 one kid coming in, you know, and I'm trying to write. And I'm mm -hmm. like, and he said, you get a crown that lights up and you put it on your head. And when mommy has the crown that's lit up on, they, they walk into the room, they see it. They know not to bother you. And I was like, I yeah, right. <laughs> so I got them. They're like 12 bucks on, you know, Amazon. It lights up. I put oh it God. on, but then they still come like running in the room, see the crown. <laughs> and then they go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just stare at me and I'm like, so your thought process is still interrupted. It it's better. But now I just try not to react to them at all. Um, but then, you know, they find the loopholes because if it's not blinking, they're like, well, your light's not blinking, you know, or the crowd, the light's not on the crowd. I'm right. like, you guys are the worst. Like you're the worst totally. little humans in the world. But um, it is about setting those boundaries and also knowing I found too, that if, um, if I'm not concentrating, if I'm not focusing and they need something from me, if I completely stop what I'm doing and turn to give them full attention, mm -hmm. they come at me less. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, if yeah. you pause and just, if you can, if you're not in the middle right. of you know, a podcast, like you'll see one of them run in sometimes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like the plan yeah. is in front of the door, you know, um, <laughs> that's where we are. I used to work downstairs. Now I'm in the bedroom hiding. Um, but it, it is just teaching them and, and where I get my comfort is that when you raise your kids like this, they learn the importance of self. You know, yeah. they're not these yeah. martyrs that grow up to be martyr parents or they mm -hmm. don't have a sense of self. They're like, right. and it's, it's, and I think sometimes it's a fear of, um, you know, our generation coming from maybe mothers who were narcissistic or abandoned us and didn't pay attention to us. We're like, so we like overcompensate. Mm -hmm. And so finding that balance of, okay, I'm not being a, a narcissistic jerk here. I'm just trying to do my job or take care of myself. And the kids, you know, you're teaching them. You're yeah. teaching the next generation how to take care of themselves. This is what I yes. say. Yeah, <laughs> when no. my crown is on. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I also one of the things are do you, are your kids boys or girls? I have a boy twelve and a girl eleven. They're fourteen okay. months apart. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, 
So one of the things I always think about too is for my son, for him to know, like, I want him to know what it looks like when your mom is a CEO. And so I think that like having those boundaries, I'm like, oh, I'm doing an interview right now. Like your mom does interviews. Like he thinks I'm on the radio. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> mine too. Mine think I'm on the TV. But right. <laughs> so, but like, I think that it's really, really important. And like, if you don't have a podcast or you don't have a, your own business or whatever, like you don't need those kinds of things for your child to see you in that way. But I think it's really important for moms to position themselves as leaders because you are and position yourself as a leader so that your child knows that like, Oh, like my mom is a leader and my mom has rules in the way she leads. And whether you're leading in, you know, supporting your kid's soccer team or volunteering at the school or the CEO of a company or running your own pocket, like whatever the way you're leading for your child to see that and to see yeah. that you have boundaries around that and to see, I think that that's just really, really important because I want my son to know that when he is older and if he ends up marrying a woman, I want him to expect her to be a leader too and expect her to be powerful and her to have right. boundaries. Um, so I think that it's like, I think just all around, it's, it's super yeah. important for us to model what, how women can show up and what, leadership among women looks like yeah and also what real bodies look like <laughs> that's yes. what i keep telling them this this is, it may not be what you see on the internet but this is a perfectly yes. acceptable mom body and woman yeah. body yeah so, yeah so take totally. that. <laughs> yes yeah, yeah yes so what are some of the things that you have learned from your community and i mean i know it's endless with me every every time i you know have a conversation with a client or someone new what are some of the things that, that you've learned, like perspective wise, or just some, some good hacks that, that moms have yeah. to kind of get through? One of the big things I've learned is how similar we are with such varied backgrounds and experiences and worldviews. And so we can come from all these different places and still have so many points of connection. And what I've seen is in running, so I run two different. I have like my main community, which is you know thousands of moms for that are in my free community um, and a free Facebook group. But then I also have two paid communities. So I have a membership community and then I have a mastermind community. And that membership community is basically a personal development space for moms where moms are working on mindset and working on going after their goals and figuring out who the heck they are and who they want to become. And then in my mastermind community, it's all business and leadership um, mm -hmm. for, biz for moms who are business owners. So in... Those two paid spaces in the membership um, in Momentum Mamas and then in the Tenacious Mamas Mastermind, what's been interesting to me as I've built these communities over the last couple of years is how varied the backstories are in each woman who comes to the space. And yet the overlap is just like blows me away over and over again. And when I first started the community, I felt like, oh, I should be really careful around like, you know attracting like a certain kind of mom. So they all get along. And so like, I'm the kind of person if people oh, come, yeah. so if, if people come to my house for dinner, I'm like, and they don't know each other, I get real stressed out about like, well, but how am I going to make sure that this person connects, connects with this person? Like, I want to make sure everyone feels really comfortable. Yeah. Which is like a ridiculous thing to try to control, but this is who I am. No, so, that's got, that's so my community, it was the same way. I was like, Oh, but like, if these people are different than these people, then what if they don't have commonalities? And then these people might feel uncomfortable. And I started recognizing pretty quickly. And like, thank you to my members who've been with me forever. I started re recognizing that like, Oh, we can all be super different. And so much. The same. Right. 
And it's such a gift and a beautiful way to connect with people. And I think in our daily lives, like in the workplace, for example, we seek out, we're like, oh, well, that person is the most like me in this environment. So I'm going to go try to connect with them. And it might be like looking for the other mom, or it might be looking for another person who has like one similarity with you. Um, But in this community, what I've found is that people come in and they lead with either what they're celebrating or what they're struggling with. And everyone from all these different backgrounds chimes in to be like, oh my gosh, me too. Or, oh, I've done that. Or I'm so excited for you because I've been there and I know how that feels. So, or I've had that same struggle and yeah, it's really hard. Here's what I did. And like, it just blows my mind over and over again. So that's been a really big one is recognizing how similar we are. I think another piece is recognizing how much women want, how much we love supporting each other. And so I think that we are often really hesitant to reach out and ask for help. And I know when my son was really little, I was like, I'm not going to ask my friend to come help me or like bring me dinner because they're busy. But one of my good friends, um, she had two kids really close, not, not as close together as yours, but (laughs) fairly close together. And her husband worked evenings. And when her second son was born, she went through this phase of the the baby being really colicky. And she's like, I have to bounce him every night for like three hours. And I have to put the two-year-old to bed at the same time. And a few of us were like, oh my gosh, can we like come and take, we were excited. We were like, can we please come take turns bouncing the baby? Right. She's like, can we smell the baby? Right. And she's like, I would not ask that of anyone. Like, I'm not going to ask you to come bounce my screaming kid. And we were like, no, like we were, we're literally begging you. Like we want to. <laughs> and that was kind of where that started. And I see this happen all the time now where we really want to help each other out, but like, I want to be a helper, but I don't want to ask for help. And so I see this in my communities a lot where a woman will come in and she'll finally like have the courage to be vulnerable and ask for something or share something. And like, it feels so big and overwhelming and everyone else is like, oh my gosh, I am so excited and honored to be here for you. Like, how can I help you? How can I support you? I'm so proud of you. I hear you. I see you. And so I think that there's so much power in knowing how, if we can really Con, uh, connect with and and learn that other women really want to support us and right. so and find the places where you can do where that can happen in a safe way like not necessarily on for many people it's not going to be on your personal facebook page in this current climate like right finding those places where women really want to be supportive of each other because i think that a lot of women feel like that's not a thing and it is such a thing it's such a thing and especially when you break it down to you know a hundred years ago when everyone lived in the same town and you had neighbors and you had people that helped you and and you know it was the village right and we Mm -hmm. don't live in a village like most of us don't i have no family around me um so really thinking with that mindset like okay where do i find my village (laughs) Where yeah. the village and where are the people that can support me? Because we're not meant to, to be out here on our own. We, we think right. that we are, you know? And so right. I think it's great what you're doing and um, super excited to, to keep following that. So the last question yeah. I have is, you know, you talk about how women want to support each other. And I, I totally agree with you. But there's also this comparison culture and that mm-hmm. is, is so hard for all of us, I think, in, in some way, shape or form. I've made great strides by saying, look, it's me versus me. And mm-hmm. that's how I kind of frame it. Like my either, whether it's my body, my career, like it doesn't matter how many followers this person has. It doesn't matter what their podcast is doing. It just matters what I'm doing. Like, you know, right. so I've been able to really pull that in the last probably couple of years and it saved me a ton of grief. Like I had an issue yeah. with that before. 
But what what is your take on kind of comparison and how when someone is hesitant to, you know, reach out, put themselves out there because they always just feel like they're not enough, they're not adequate. I mean, what do you what are your thoughts on that? So I think that there will always be women who are stuck in this comparison game. Um, and I think that there will also always be women who would much prefer to collaborate over compare. Mm-hmm. And so finding women who want to collaborate with you. And I think that what happens over time as you're on a journey of self-discovery and as you're figuring out your identity, and especially after becoming a mom, I think what happens is you over time start to shed old identities and shed pieces of your identities that you don't need to carry with you anymore. And when you do that, you start making room for these relationships that can be more collaborative and you can make room for relationships where you can be mutually supportive of each other and where you feel this like, mutual adoration versus like we all have friends where you're like just a, like think that the other person is the absolute coolest and then we yeah. all have friends where we are like and this i think happens a lot with like people you grew up with like friends where you're like i can't help it but i'm still after 20 years like when she posts something on social media it makes me feel like crap about myself you know like i'm yeah. like oh that's so, that's so it's picture perfect person. she made you yes. feel like crap in high school <laughs> yes yes and so i think what you need to look at is the crowding out yeah. Um, as you integrate more and more of these supportive, collaborative relationships and seek those out really intentionally and learn more about who you are and who you're becoming, you will start crowding out those relationships where you find yourself in that comparison trap. And you will also crowd out the people that create that kind of energy when you no longer want to create it. So there's yep. definitely been people where I've had that energy around comparison. But the old, the, I was going to say the older I get, the older I get, <laughs> The older I get, the wiser I get, the more that I learn about who I am, who I'm becoming and connect with really amazing women who are excited to collaborate, the less I am. So first of all, the less space I have for those relationships anyways. And also the less likely I am to get sucked in when other people put themselves there. So I still have close friendships with women. This is a great example. I have um, close friendships with women who are very tied up in comparison with other women or very tied up in diet culture and body shaming of themselves and sometimes body shaming of other people. And I have friendships with them, but I can see that now for what it is. And I can see that for who these women are and where they're at in their identity and struggling in their identity and not able to fully collaborate yet or still stuck in these areas that they haven't worked through. And I don't need to take responsibility for that or I don't need to get sucked into that. That, That's their thing. And they might engage in that conversation with me or I might be around when they're saying things that I'd like make me real squirmy, but I get to choose what I want to do with that and kind of make mental note of like, okay, so that's just where they're at and I'm not there. And that's like all neutral statements. It's not like I'm better than them, but right. Recognizing that like, that's just where they're at. I'm not there anymore. I don't believe those things. And I'm going to choose to spend most of my time in places over here where there's a more of an effort toward collaboration, which also allows me to be a little bit compassionate towards women who are not quite there yet. And I think that's another big piece of it is, being able to hold some compassion for the people that we see where we're like, Oh my God, they're so stuck in the comparison trap and it can't handle. <laughs> right. With well, just humans in general. I mean, everyone is yeah. stuck on something, you know, everyone is yeah. just stuck on something. And and I think you nailed it. It is about keeping your eyes on your own plate and in your own mm-hmm. lane and, and figuring out what, how it's you and how you can do what you need to do in your own life. 
because then it, when you're when you're doing what you need to do, you really just don't care what other people are doing. Like when you're really right. in that line, in that lane, right. you're like, it's fine. Do what you right. want. Right. I'm not getting involved. Yeah. 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 Well, Sarah, I know you need to go. So um, tell everyone where they can follow you, find you. And um, this was so great. I'm, I'm glad that we are now best friends and it will be fun. Totally. <laughs> this was so fun. Thank you so much for having, having me. So you can follow me here at Shameless Mom Academy. And then you can look up the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. So if you listen, um, uh, w- whatever, on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the places at, um, in the show is called the Shameless Mom Academy. And then, um, if you are a mom, well, you're probably a mom if you're listening to this. So <laughs> if you are, you can go ahead and find me over at, um, our, fa- our private Facebook group is shamelessmom.com slash Facebook. So there's like 3000 moms over there that you can connect with. That's cool. our free group. And yeah, get started there. Oh, and I should tell, I do have a morning routine, like little protocol. Yeah. Um, if you want a free download, so it's totally free download. It's called the 15 minute manifest. And it's basically like my formula for a 15 minute morning routine, which you can make shorter or longer depending on your needs. And you can get that if you go to shamelessmom.com slash 15 MM as in okay. minute manifest. So Got yeah, it. those are Got all it. the things. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank everyone you. go head over if you're on Instagram, go follow her and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much. Sweet. Well, thank you. This was great. Hi, everybody. Are you looking for some coaching, some life coaching in a very inexpensive and self-paced module? Of course you are. Check out the Handel Group's inner you. It's a self-paced online coaching program. In this program, you are going to learn to deal with the areas of your life that are causing you the most suffering. We're doing great in like a lot of it, right? We've There are areas of our life that we've got down, but there are these bleeder areas that just keep coming up over and over and year after year. And that's what Inner You is here to help you figure out. So check it out, Inner You the letter U, I-N-N-E-R-U dot coach. Scroll down to the bottom, click on enter you life and use the code same two, four hours, seven, five. And right now you will get it for half off in the future. You'll get $75 off. So this is a big deal. It's one, one time for life, one payment and you're in for life. So enter you dot coach by the handle group, follow the handle group, and check out everything that they do, putting out such great content. These are my coaches. I believe in them. And you're going to see much more from all of us in the future. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.